one that came in a number of different ways, something like this. It was worded this way in this particular question, which takes a bit of a turn halfway through the sentence. If I just keep living in sin until marriage, am I going to hell? <laughs> okay. Uh, if so I, I keep living in the, sin until marriage, so, so I assume so they're just saying there are layers. If I keep we're sleeping together, sleeping together, yeah. living together, whatever, and, and I'm if not I just do yet. that because I go screw it, right? I'll just get married I, at some point, and then I die before I get married. Or maybe not. Right. Oh, I get married. Have Ten I, years later, I die. Have I or, destined or myself now to hell because yeah, I've right. consciously said I'm okay living in sin? Now, I think right. the two parts of this are, one, the issue itself directly. Yes. And then two, behind the question, the idea of can I sin in my life and does that yeah. disqualify me from heaven? Right. Right. I think there are layers to this. Yeah, it's 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 a really good question. It's it's an honest question. It's a tough one to answer because who goes to hell and doesn't uh, is a little outside my pay grade. <laughs> um, in some sense, uh, I understand after saying, does the Bible say I go to hell? Well, the Bible says sentences like this. First uh, Thessalonians chapter four talks about the idea that the sexually immoral, which I define from Genesis two as you know those living outside of the context of marriage. Um, uh, do, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So uh, Galatians uh, 5, 6 says the same thing. Uh, there's, this, there's this kind of paradigm throughout the Bible that sets this precedent of marriage right. uh, is the place for sexuality. And if you live outside of that, you, quote, don't inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's what the Bible says. So a piece of it just makes me want to go, that's the Bible says, live in that tension. Don't worry about what I say. That's yeah. what the Bible says. Let your life press up against that and try to fit it all and live in the tension of what God says. Um, on the other hand, I want to I want to uh, talk about what Tim Keller, you know, talks about the idea of like, I, I, you don't go to hell because you're sexually immoral. Right. You go to hell because you don't know Christ. Right. Okay. There's That's a lot. Important. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of people at. He says at First Baptist Alabama, um, whose sex life is perfectly fine, and go to hell because they don't know Jesus. So what causes a person to go to hell is they don't actually repent of sin and receive Christ, the the, the crucified and risen Jesus as the Lord, Savior, and treasure of their life. That's why someone doesn't go to heaven. that's crucial that we understand yeah. that it's by grace through faith in Christ. That's it's not justification by sexual orientation. Right. It's not justification by your sex life or your money life or your greed. Now there's an implication of all of this, mm-hmm. but the question of who goes to hell is specifically around the question of what have you done in your life with the person and the work of Jesus. Right. Then there's going to be application of your sexuality and your money and your all of that. Uh, so I think that's that's yeah. crucial. Whenever asking a question of is this going to cause me to go to hell? Um, the grace of God is so amazing that it covers over the east is from the west. It covers over a multitude of sins because the cross of Christ took all of that. Yeah. You can't, it's, it, the book of Galatians says it's never grace plus. Because the right. minute you go grace plus, you've shattered grace. That's right. Right? Yep. So that's kind of the tension. But there is a call. I'll let you talk in a sec. Yeah. There is a call in the Bible. You read First John. And he's like, if you continue in sin, you don't even know God. Yeah. If you if you you don't even know the love of God, you don't know the Father, you don't know salvation because you continue to sin, you don't care. So you're not you've never been in the light. 
And it's like, that's the beautiful tension of the New Testament that we have to live in and go, yeah, I probably should work out my, my sex life and my money life and my gossip and my greed in light of I'm a spirit person. I'm, I'm, I'm Christ in the spirit of my life. Okay, yeah. anyway, sorry. It makes me think about the, what, a little bit of what's behind the question, which is that the ultimate question is heaven or hell. And right. I think biblically, that's not the question. Right. The question for us as human beings, and especially for those of us who decide to follow Christ, is not, am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? Right. It's, what is it I'm being redeemed into? Mm -hmm. Which is actually what the Bible's talking about. Right. The gospel is not, you're either going to heaven or hell. Right. The gospel is you're being adopted into eternity yes. and a relationship with God and full flourishing as creation yeah. forever. Yep. And you get there through the means of salvation. That's mm -hmm. what gets you there. So to, as a Christian, view the entire thing based on, I'm satisfied with if I get in the door, right. you've actually missed yeah, you what don't, the Bible's yeah. pitching you. Yeah. That's not the discussion. The discussion yeah. is you can be redeemed as a human being into something incredible with this relationship with God for eternity, right. and you're just not interested in that because you think getting in the door is good enough for you. That's right. and here's, what do we, we missed it. <laughs> and here's a fundamental flaw in that, in that thinking is, and this is where Jonathan Edwards and Lewis uh, have taught me so much, C.S. Lewis, because what they talk about is if God is actually the one who causes joy, like God is the gospel, he's what you get. Right. And what his desire for your life is ultimate joy and delight. That's his pleasure for you. That's what he wants for you. He knows what to do and what to tell you to do in order to have maximum joy right. in this life and the next. And that question almost treats him like, he doesn't know what's gonna make me happy. Hmm. He's provided a way for me to get to heaven and then I'll do a bunch of stuff that will make me happy. And it misses the point of, no, no, he knows what will make you happy. And what will make you happy is actually adjusting your sex life right. to what he wants. That's, your, that's going to be, in the 80 million year scope, the best thing for your pleasure yeah. and delight. And you don't trust him. Right. You trust you. So yeah. anyway, I and think I think, that's and I think based on that, even one other step is like, you you might as a Christian go, well, what's what's the gain if I'm right. in? I mean, we, and we're yeah, already well, discussing that, right? Lowest common denominator. What's the yeah, yeah. gain for me right. eternally to bother with obedience? Right. And I feel now, I don't know why this came just came to my head, but like, I would. It's kind of like, well, it's kind of like Chuck E. Cheese's, right? Which is probably hell on earth. <laughs> And I have, I have baby you boys, have two, yeah, so now this stuff's on my mind, yeah, and I'm going, yeah. please never it's make me be go there. Purgatory, right? So, like but it's years. like, would you be like, you you don't want to go in with no tokens to play all the games and have if all the fun. If you go to Chuck, if you own a Chuck E. Cheese, you go to our church. No offense, we love it. In fact, this episode is brought to you by Chuck E. Cheese Langley. So my point is, why would you think in my life I am not going to bother to invest right. in my relationship with God and obedience and dependence? Right. Then I'm going to show up in heaven and have right. the greatest eternity with him ever. Yeah, it's not true. You haven't invested yeah. in it. Yeah, totally. Dallas Willard said the same thing. What do you think? If you don't spend any time with Jesus in this life, you don't like what he says. Right. What makes you think when you get to heaven, all of a sudden that's going to change? Right. And I'm not saying you're going to get to heaven and like hate it. And now you're kind of in this, you're in hell in heaven or <laughs> right, something. Right, that's yeah, not what no. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. 
think of what could be, and yeah. this is actually what he wants yeah. for you. It is like it is a fundamental question of believing he's for your joy, though, and I think that's really important. Right. And because what that means is you're not just taking, and this is where John Piper's book, Desiring God, is amazing, where he says you're not just taking Jesus as Lord and Savior. Everyone wants to get out of hell, and everyone wants to be saved from sin. Hmm. That's not the call. The call is to take him as treasure as well. And if you take him as treasure, now you actually love him. Right. And you love what he has for your life because he is the way to get the greatest joy. Yeah. Not you and your ideas. So anyways, yeah, so that's... Yeah. Okay, we're getting very theological, so yes. let's continue to get Boring. even deeper. The pressing theological question everyone wants to know. Yes. Is Oprah does the your, Antichrist? Yes, or does your dog go to heaven? Does your dog go to heaven? Oh, oh gosh. Do you think pets oh, gosh. will be with us? Now I've got a dog that I love. He's getting near the end of I his have life. A I have a dog who I love, and I would have answered this question much differently I before think you I would. had my dog. I know. <laughs> then you finally got one of these beautiful creatures. Now we're not talking about cats. Yeah, yeah, That's no, no. Hell, we're definitely obviously, not, we're not talking about cats. But dogs. Right. Blessed are, this is this is Revelation 22. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Beautiful picture of heaven. Mm -hmm. Outside the city are the dogs. I'm going to leave you with that right there. <laughs> I, we so, don't know. No, we don't know. But there is a text that seems to say they're not in heaven. I don't. Uh, no, <laughs> they're outside with the sorcerers. The next thing that was listed was the sorcerers. Anyways, no, I I don't think that text is a proof text for that. I think there's apocalyptic yes. first century yes. meaning of what a dog was. Now you're going to tell me my sorcerer doesn't go there. <laughs> Listen, don't, don't deny don't me my sorcerer. <laughs> yeah, no. So dogs back then. Okay, no, this is a good analogy though. I want to, because as I process this, some people might actually think that. Here's what it does. So, hear this. The text also says this. Okay, so Revelation. Yeah. If we want to take it literal, it says this. In heaven, Revelation 21, 22, there shall no longer be any sea. Okay? Mm -hmm. Well, for some people, that's a terrible idea because it means there's no water. Like, right. how can you say the Pacific Ocean is beautiful, the most beautiful? When you say I look at the Pacific, you're like, dude, if there's one thing heaven has, it's like this. Like, yeah. this is why people have built yeah. pools. That's there's right. a running water. It's water. But he goes, there's no longer any sea. So there, you got one of two options. You can either say there's no water in heaven, which kind of is like, oh, man, it's like new creation supposed to be this redemptive, beautiful thing. Or you could say, what did the sea mean right. in first century reality? The sea was what killed your yes. family. It's what ate up all the fishermen. It's, yeah. it's chaos. Dangerous. It's death. It's yeah. danger. Yeah. Okay. So the dogs <laughs> back then... Yes. Were scavengers. They were. They would steal your things and eat they your stuff. Lap they dog weren't little beautiful Kenzie Yorkies little. Yeah. And, yeah. Hello, little baby. Yeah. They weren't monkey dressed up in right. a little hat for right. Christmas. That's the name of his. Monkey's name of my dog. It's weird. It's so, the name of another animal. Yeah, for it's another animal, very but. hard because he does not have a monkey as well. <laughs> but point being, I don't think that's what that text about. I we don't know the answer to this. So we have to not out Bible the Bible and say we know one way or the other. We don't know, right. but hopefully, maybe great. Hopefully, great. Maybe. Um, okay. <laughs> you oh. probably get questions like this all the time because oh, sure I don't. you planted a church, and you've gone through this, and you consult, and people ask you your opinions on this kind of stuff, and you're involved in church planning networks and all this. Kind of 
Someone asked this question, and I think a lot of people who are starting out kind of have this mindset, which is weird. Do you need experience to start your own church? <laughs> Should you have experience before planting a church? <clears throat> uh, it depends on experience and what. Mm -hmm. um, you should you should have uh, the best church planters are people who've been pastors and mm. know how to but they're also evangelists like they're not they're people who actually it keeps them awake at night trying to figure out ways to reach new people for Jesus um, and not necessarily everybody would be like that there's some uh, pastors are amazing leaders and pastor teachers will take congregations and and have five thousand and and be able to disciple and train up leaders. And it's beautiful. Or an evangelist would be like, I need to reach people who don't know Jesus or, you know, whatever. So yeah. um, so I would say the best church planters, if you can do pioneer church planting, are, are those, you know, apostolic, uh, evangelistic, prophetic types that are like, oh, man, like how do I actually reach the new people? And, uh, and, and, and they have a history of being able to build something and, and being, you know, recruiting and getting people behind stuff, you know, all of that. So you probably have to have experience in that kind of stuff. Can you right. grow something? Right. Can you build something? Um, can you preach and teach and cast vision and be able to get people on board and, and, and you know, all of those things? You should probably have some experience at that. Right. Um, yeah, it's like yeah. ask the question of any other thing. Should I start a restaurant? with no experience in right. business or restaurant world stuff. Right, yeah. Like, well, you Be could. careful, you could, yeah. <laughs> now, you don't but. necessarily, here's what I mean, you don't have to necessarily have started a restaurant, right. but maybe working in the restaurant industry for 15 years and right. knowing every piece of it would be helpful some of it. when you, yeah. as my a uh, couple of my friends have done. So, um, yeah, so I think it's not to say you, have, you don't have to have started a church, but you certainly have to start like a microcosm of a ministry that does all these little components and then you apply those components, you know, to your own. Well, one of the things we're exploring even just, you know, we're talking about this yesterday is, yeah. you know, opening up that idea of taking locations and yeah. leading churches and right. church location things to not be this kind of like very closed group of, well, are you this very They went to seminary, thing. they did this, they did it's this, like, yeah. It's, well, it's, you might have all sorts of amazingly transferable skills from the marketplace and the business world 100%. that would make you an incredible location pastor. 100%. Maybe you need us to give you some of that experience in actual church stuff. Yeah, or theological Theology development or whatever. or whatever, yep. That's easy. But And that's really, I, I wanna put a call out to anyone who's made it this mm -hmm. far in the video, <laughs> depending <laughs> on how, where this all gets cut up or whatever. That's a really good point, Jerry. I, I really, we want to plant village churches across Canada. That's been our vision for 10 years, okay? Cinema sites are the way we're going to mostly do that <clears throat> across Canada. We're excited about that. But those are going to be led, as he's saying, with not necessarily the cliche church planter leaders. They're gonna be people who've built things in marketplace, people who are retired, Maybe they've built something up and they're saying, I know how to build something, I know how to recruit, I know how to train, I know how to be a leader. We can take that because we have the theology, we have the yeah. preaching, we have the systems yeah. and be able to plant that in Toronto and Ottawa and Montreal and Winnipeg and whatever. We want to do that. So if that's you, actually contact us, yeah. email us and be like, hey, I'll come in and chat with someone about what I've done. I've never even thought. I thought you were looking for a seminary trained, this is this. We're not, we're expanding the definition and profile of that leader out and we actually wanna hear from you. Yeah, so. and if you've, you know, I bet you there are people listening to this or watching this who are actually in that boat. 
who are totally who are going in our own church. Hang on, I didn't know that was an option for me. I right. thought you had to be twenty-two. Right. You know, whatever you look yes. a certain way, and yeah. you're excited about skinny jeans, Bible and, stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Seminary or something, and it's right. like, no, actually, yeah, there'd be an insane value for us to get someone who's huge. older, who's done things in life, hundred percent, failed at things in life, yeah, and has learned a lot. And you go, man, for that person to go, maybe God's calling me to something different in my life. Yeah, that would be totally. That'd be amazing. I love that. For I love that. Let us know. Seriously, that's how this movement's gonna continue.